So yesterday, Preston and I got to go together to um, Bardstown. We were actually outside of Bardstown to the, the, they call it the, the first Cedar Creek Baptist Church. And they call it that because there's another Cedar Creek Baptist in in Louisville, but they were the first Cedar Creek Baptist. And historically speaking, we believe they were the first Baptist church in Kentucky. All right, which is kind of cool. Little bitty church, no locks on the doors. The doors are about that wide. All right, I mean, it's really weird. All right. But uh, carrying stuff in was fun, but it was, it was just great. And I had kind of the middle school edge conference Craig preaching going on. I was just having a ball. And so, uh, but today, um, this lends more toward teaching. And um, anybody ever done jigsaw puzzles? Anybody, if you've done a jigsaw puzzle, let me see, let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie and I did a jigsaw puzzle, I guess, uh, weekend before last. Uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Uh, we worked on it from about Thursday until about Monday, and uh, it's awesome. It's now framed. It will be in my office sometime, you know, after they clean up. But um, you know that feeling, you know, you get the outside done, right? You always do the edges first, or most people do anyway, normal people. And then you start plugging pieces in, and about halfway through, you can start looking and you go, I recognize that. And you pop it in like on your first try, you know, the pieces just kind of click you, you know what I'm talking about, that feeling when you pick up a piece and go, oh, right there, that's a fun, fun moment. I kind of hope that happens for you this morning. I think in this talk today, I hope that you have some of those pieces clicking moments, all right, because that's kind of what happened to me as I studied. Now, you also need to know that a, a week ago Thursday before we had to cancel because Cy came down with COVID on Friday night, uh, I did this message on Thursday, at least a version of this message, and then we didn't use it because we did the Zoom call because we thought that would be better, and then last week, or this week, Thursday, I preached it again to the camera just in case something happened and I got sick, somebody else got sick, and we were still going to do it, and uh, then I preached it again this morning, and none of them were the same. I know that doesn't surprise any of you, but hopefully there's more and better information in there each time. So you all always get a little more than the nine because I think of something or I say something I wasn't you know, ready for or something like that. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to transition. All right. So we had some background. We had the birth narrative in Luke. And now we're transitioning to Jesus's ministry. And that's exactly not only what this passage is, but that is who this passage is also, all right? So let's do scripture, teach, scripture, teach, move ahead, see if the light bulbs go off and we are out of here. I was gonna try to get to the whole chapter. I did the first time I preached it. We're not gonna make it, so we'll split this, all right? And it was so wonderful. Johnny Way was sitting right here this morning and I got to, I mean, I'd been preaching for 25 minutes and it didn't feel like it at all to me or to him. And I said, I'm gonna stop there. And Johnny Ray goes, no. <laughs> it was awesome. When an adult says that, you're just kind of happy. A kid says it, you know, who knows. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, Lots and lots of long words and boring stuff, right? Except that for Luke and for the guy he was writing to, this was massively important, all right? Remember a few weeks ago, I was like, you need to understand this happened in a real place in a real time. 
in a real place in a real time. You don't watch Gladiator and they have like Augustus Caesar or Julius Caesar or you know, one of the Caesars on there, and nobody says, well, that never happened. The Roman government didn't exist. Nobody does that, all right? You don't read through the Iliad or the Odyssey and see about the warriors and see about the, the, the battles at Troy or anything like that and go, well, that's a great story, but it never happened. No, you can identify times and places where these things existed, right? That's what Luke's doing here. It would be just like me saying, during the presidency of Barack Obama and on into the presidency of Donald Trump and then into the presidency of Joe Biden, I moved from Roanoke, Virginia to Nicholasville to be the pastor of Nicholasville Baptist Church during the mayorship of what would have then been Russ Meyer and on through the mayorship of Mr. Sutherland. It identifies a place and a time for anybody who lived in the region. And Theophilus would have lived and worked all around the region, including the government. So he put all that stuff in to say, it happened during all of these things. That's what that is. It's exactly what's going on there. And we're talking, if, if I'm not mistaken, we're talking around 21 to 25 AD is, is the, the ballpark range of this stuff, all right, this stuff. During the priesthood of Ananus and, Annas and Caiaphas, now this is the next part, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, if you were here four weeks ago, but the sermon from three weeks ago, when we talked about chapter one, all right, do you remember who we're talking about here? We had Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and we had Elizabeth and Zechariah and who? John, and this John is going to be the guy we know as whom? John the Baptist. Now, the image we have of John the Baptist is Captain Caveman. You know, hoo, hoo, hoo. I've got my fur on. I've got my, uh, I reach up. I grab bugs off the tree. I, I grab honey like Pooh Bear. I walk around the wilderness. That, look, you're, you're laughing, but most of us see John the Baptist in that mental picture. Is there anybody who doesn't? Sees him as a lawyer? No. Because John was a guy who preached in the wilderness. But listen, you need to see that, but you also need to see this. This is one of Jesus' best buddies. All right? This is, in the service today, there was David Doran. All right, y'all know David Doran? David Doran would swing off of any tree and jump off of any roof anywhere. All right? And then there was like Luke and Isaac and Matthew. All right? And they love their motorbikes and their soccer games. And they're also all boy. All right? But they're different kind of all boy. All right? Well, that's John and Jesus. They're both all boy. They both grew up together. They went to temple together. John took him out into the woods. All right? They went into Joseph's carpenter shop. They went to Zechariah's uh, um, uh, priestly duties, all right? They, they, they were together. They were friends. They were buddies. And early on, their parents knew, and they knew what their respective jobs would be. I mean, you're living a life that the book that you have to memorize has told you what you're going to do. See, he would have known what Isaiah said, and he would have known that Isaiah was talking about him. And so the playbook for his life had been spoken. How weird would that be if there was a writing that said, you're going to get this job in this place and do this thing, and then when you grew up, guess what? You got a job in that place and that thing. It's a little, has anybody ever lived through that? Because I haven't. All right, that's, that's a weird way to live. Not only that, but everything you will do will be about your cousin, who is also one of your best friends, who is also God weird. 
what we have here is a really cool beginning of that transition. I need somebody to answer this correctly because I've taught it more than once at NBC, all right? I've always told you that God speaks to us in different ways. And in the Bible, God spoke to us in different ways, and it's split by how the Bible split up. Old Testament, Gospels, and New Testament. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through what? Prophets. In the Gospels, God spoke to his people through whom? Jesus, yeah, you've heard this more than once. And in the rest of the New Testament, God speaks to his people through whom? The Holy Spirit. He has to go prepare a place and I send you a counselor. And from Acts until today, until it's over, till he comes to get us or calls his people home, he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean there's not prophets, but it also doesn't mean that I am or am not a prophet. I don't get into that. All right, getting into whether I'm a prophet or not a prophet and who the apostles and the prophets are at this church or that church, that's just denomination makers. That's all that is. People want to argue over dumb stuff, all right? I I don't want to do that. That's all about how you define prophecy. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, cool. We don't have to have that argument then, all right? But in the Bible, this is really cool because we find that in the Old Testament, God said to Isaiah and Isaiah said to the people. God said to Moses, God said to Jeremiah, and they spoke to the people. Look right here. It says, God came to John In the wilderness, God came to John in the wilderness. God spoke to him and told him to what? Speak to the people. So what do you have here? In the New Testament, in the Gospels, you have what? An Old Testament prophet. This He is the transitional prophet. He is an Old Testament prophet in the Gospels, and he is the last one of these in this manner. Really cool little piece of information, all right? Now, the next part, he went into all the country around the Jordan. Not in the synagogues, not in the churches, not doing like all the regular Jewish people did. He's doing it differently. So when you're going to teach a people something different, there's got to be some love and some kindness and some sugar. Ask any pastor who's ever come into a new church. Better yet, ask any pastor who's ever come into an old church. Come on. A lot of times a guy comes into a church with new feelings, new ideas, new ways of teaching. What happens to him? He doesn't last very long. And sometimes that smooths the way for the next guy. Sometimes the way's never smooth, okay? There's just no smoothness, all right? It is, you know, Pothole Baptist Church. That's just the way it is, all right? That was funny right there. All right, so here's what John does differently first. He goes outside of the normal place to preach. And people come to hear it. Pretty cool, right? People come to hear it. Second, he preaches a baptism of repentance. This is important. He preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, why is this important? Well, if you're a Jew living in that time and in that place, you are one of the line of Israel. You are one of the line of the Hebrew children. You are by your blood and by your birth a part of God's family. It is your Jewness that makes you saved. And that is a word today, Junus. If you have Junus, you are saved. It has nothing to do with who you are, how good you are, how bad you are. Your Junus saves you. And because you have Junus and they need to teach, they teach you how to act as a good Jew. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and everything is going to be okay, all right? They are baptized or immersed in Jewiness, all right? Here's what John says. I'm going to have to go negatory on the Junus. 
Now, I'm a rabbi, I'm a teacher, I'm a priest, I'm come down from both lines, I got all that. But y'all got to understand, something's coming that ain't the same. Here's what he says. The baptism of forgiveness of sins, and oh, I got ahead of myself, I want to jump to something, but but I can't. Uh, uh, We'll get there, just salvation, just remember that, salvation, I'm going to teach you another nugget about that in a minute. So he is preaching repentance And repentance means to turn away from. And the idea here is to turn away from your bloodline, your Jewness, your thing that your parents say makes it to you, your Baptistness, your Methodistness, your I'm a good personness. Turn away from what you think you have to do or be to be saved. All right? Repentance leads to the forgiveness of sin. Now, what you have next is the prophecy. Not the prophet speaking, the prophecy, because a lot's going to go on before we even get to John's words. Here it is. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years years earlier, all right? Here it is. A voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Where do we find John? Out on the banks of the Jordan, outside of town in the wilderness. And here is his task. Prepare the way For the Lord, prepare the way for the one. Prepare the way for the Messiah. Make straight the paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain shall and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough made smooth and all people will see God's salvation. Let's back that thing up for just a minute. All right, look. He is using his voice the voice of John coming from the voice of God to cry out in the wilderness outside of the boundaries of the church to all who have ears. Remember that when Jesus preached? To all who have ears, John begins that process and his job is to prepare the way. We live in a world of interstates. When we went yesterday to Bardstown, that that was a long, 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 long walking journey back in the Bible, all right? And there would have been no way that it would have been anywhere near straight. We'd have been through the over the river and through the woods and it would have taken forever. But you get on Bluegrass Parkway now, you're there, hour in 10 minutes, all right? We don't understand this, but if you were living back in this time, if you had ever watched kings and Caesars travel, this would have been an analogy. This would have been an image for you. What would happen is if the king was going to take a journey, a team of people would have been sent out in front of him and they would have traveled the road that he was going to travel. And if that road had too many big bends in it, they would literally mow through so that the road would be what? Straighter. If there was deep valleys that the the, the horses or the carriages would have to go up, they would fill them in so that there was no problems. If there were mountains that were too high for anything to rise, they would literally tear them down. If it was too bland, they would pay people to be on the side of the road to wave and to smile and to encourage the king. The king's way was set before him so that the journey would be easier, that the journey would have less struggle, that the journey would have less potholes. This is John's calling in life. He's only job was to prepare the way for the Messiah, for the gospel, for the good news. Not the word good news, but the physical word, Jesus, is the good news. I love this line that God gave me on the pew this morning in the first service. John was to prepare the way. Jesus was the way. John 
was to prepare the way. Jesus was the way. And as we're going to find out next week, once Jesus is ready, John's journey, ministry, and life ends. He had done what he was made, created, called, prophesied to do. We're going to get there. All right? And all people will see God's salvation. All people will see God's salvation. What does that come from? Well, from the one called to prepare the way for the word, the lamb, the Messiah of God, if they are to see him through what? A lens of repentance, turning from the old and looking at the new. The old is gone, the new has come, all right? But this word salvation, if you want to check me later, you can. This word salvation is like the word green. Evergreen, forest green, teal green, Kelly green. There's lots and lots of different words for green, but they all mean green. They don't mean Kelly green is not blue, all right? You know, forest green is not blue. It's just a different shade of green, but they all mean green to us, right? Well, salvation is always going to be salvation in some way, form, or fashion. Whether you're saved from a pool or saved from an airplane or saved from a burning fire, it's saved. Well, this word, interestingly enough, all right, is only used two other times in Luke's writings. He says salvation a lot, but he only uses this word, this, this Greek word, three times. Luke chapter 2, verse 30, it's just a few verses earlier. This one, and Acts, Luke wrote Acts, chapter 28, verse 28. And in every occasion, it is referring to, and look right here, the word all is right before it, in the prior, it says Jews and Gentiles right before it. And in the latter, it mentions the Jews, Gentiles, and all people before it. This is a salvation that crosses boundaries and borders. This is a salvation to all people. Hey, you're doing it wrong. If you think you have to be born a Jew to be saved, that was uh, a nice way to think about it. But no, it's for the Jews and the Gentiles, Baptists, Protestants, Catholics, red people, white people, black people, blue people. This is a salvation for all people. Now, if you just drop down and you said, hey, I'm the Messiah and you're wrong, it's not real good. So this is again, paving the way for Jesus, who salvation would not only come with, it would come through. All right? Now, John said, John hadn't even said a word yet. All right? Now we're to what John says. I, have, I, I enjoyed a lot of the nuggets that I found before now. My particular favorite nugget is right here. All right? I mean, my favorite nugget's at home. That's my Emmy. But, you know, my favorite nugget that we found is right here. All right? Check this out. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized, listen, they're coming to be baptized so they have heard the message already. It has been preached in the wilderness. It has made its way back to town and Jews and Gentiles are coming out to hear it. People who are religious leaders and who aren't religious leaders are coming out to hear it. We know that because we know at Jesus' baptism there were people standing around. We know that. And here's how John starts. You brood of vipers! If, if I came with a sermon and said, you sorry sacks, or something worse, all right? This translates literally, if you were, you know, you got slang all the time. Brood of vipers actually comes from the idea that in Genesis, there is the snake, and the snake is the one that pulls people away from God or causes the, Adam and Eve to sin first, and there will be enmity between you and the man. You're going to crush his head, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So literally, it's like him saying, hey, you sons of the devil. 
Now, that's not the way to preach if you're trying to get, you know, people to like you. Look what he says next. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Hey, you sinful people who've never really realized your sin before. Why'd you come out and hear a message about repentance and baptism? Who told you there was going to be a problem if you didn't? Who told you death was coming if you didn't? What's the new word on the street? Now, I'm going to stop here because I want to transfer to something else. It was about here in my study two and a half weeks ago that this hit me. Do you remember when we talked about evangelism about eight or nine weeks ago? And I taught, everybody remembers the piece of paper that I tore up and, had, and ended up with the cross and the word hell on the ground. And then I told you, you could use your five fingers to teach people. And I told you the Roman road, which is anybody who's grown up in any Baptist church whatsoever. These are what we were taught from survival kid on. All right. We're all sinners. We need a savior. God is our savior. If you confess and repent, he comes into your heart and you're saved, right? That's the, the road to salvation. That's how you spread the gospel, correct? Roman road. Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Second one, the wages of sin is death, right? So the first thing that the Roman road says is everybody's a sinner. And the second thing it says is when you sin, you die. Look again. What does he say to them? You brood of vipers, you sons of Satan. Oh, Hey, sinners, right? And then next he says, who told you about the coming wrath? Which, what is the coming wrath? Death. Yeah, I'm st I was starting to get the cold chills right, right about there. Produce fruit in keeping with, and he goes back to this word, repentance, okay? Do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Here's what he says. You got to admit, you have to admit that if you don't make a change, the fruit that you've always been producing, you're going to keep on producing. You can't make bananas come from an apple tree and you can't make unhealthy fruit come from a healthy tree and you can't make healthy fruit come from an unhealthy tree. What he's saying right here is, hey, you got to, there's got to be a change that happens inside of you, in the root of you, in the heart of you. And you can't throw out your Junus, who my daddy is. What's the third part? Confess and repent. Turn away from who you've always been and become who God wants you to be. And then he says, I'm telling you guys, you keep throwing your name around. You keep throwing your race around. God can make these rocks children of his if he wants to. So let's not get all uh, hoity-toity about what kind of power you think you have. The axe is already at the root of the tree. See, the tree has nothing to do with being cut down or not cut down, does it? Someone else has to come in and cut it down. And every tree that does not produce good, good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. If you repent and turn away, you will be saved. If you do not repent, you will be cut down. Does it weird anybody else out? that the sackcloth-wearing, locust-eating, first preacher in the New Testament, last Old Testament prophet, was preaching the Roman road prior to Romans? Come on. The message is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the message is preached with clarity and power, 
It doesn't need my stories. It doesn't need my animation. In love, in truth, with clarity and power, as one speaking with the voice of God, if we preach it, people will be changed and they will genuinely ask, what should we do? I'll tell you next week. I'll tell you next week, and here's why. Because if I go on, we're going to be here another 20 to 25 minutes. If I, if I don't, I'm going to make this one too long, or yeah, I just I can't. It's right, we're right in the ballpark range there. But yeah, and I've been going for 27 minutes now, believe it or not. So we're good. We're good. Next week, the tree and its fruit, the finishing of the task, and the beginning of the ministry of the word the way, the truth. And then we're just going to run with Jesus for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm excited about it. Thank you for your worship today, your hearts today. This is, what, this is why we have to have service because our spirits need it. Let me pray for you. Go and be safe. Don't be stupid. Be safe. Go and be healthy. Go and be loved. Encourage one another. And let's pray. God, for every spouse, husband, father, child, student, teacher, friend, daughter, and son in this room. I am incredibly thankful for the opportunity yesterday to re-engage outside of these church walls in the kingdom church and see the hunger of the people outside these walls again and be able to passionately tell them about your gospel and passionately tell them about the way you want your church to be and passionately tell them about our church family. And, and, and God, oh, my heart is full and my joy is being made complete in your calling on my life to pastor and love and teach and learn in this church, but also to, to spread my wings and reach out and, and help to, 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 to guide, counsel, teach other churches how to be joyful holy and, and, and healthy and, and encourage them. And God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, that for, for Preston and then the time we got to ride together in the car. And, and I'm thankful. God, I'm just thankful. In the midst of this storm, in the midst of the threats, in the midst of the, the silencing, in the midst of the red and the blue and the fear, God, I will not be silent and I will not be afraid for my kingdom is not of this world. Nothing can come to me. Nothing can come to Caitlin. Nothing can come to Tristan. And nothing can come to Jim or Cicely unless it first travels through the armor of God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the good news. In Jesus' name, and amen.